Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a Roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidrich, look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight. Michael Hamfler taking a leave of absence to get over Cody Rhodes leaving AEW, <laughs> and I suppose that's the best place to start. Really, lots to look forward to on tonight's show, but there is a major elephant in the room, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm not very good at this, but I will try to keep my thoughts brief on the matter in anticipation of a provisionally scheduled longer form discussion tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If we find the time, there's no guarantee. Um, yeah, it's, it's all very incredibly surreal. It's mm. the most surreal, seismic news story in pro wrestling, I expect, since AEW was formed in the very first place. Just because of the law, the revolution, the face of the revolution, and now the man who led the revolution, in effect, is going back to the establishment. It's a crazy story um, that we will... If we don't find time tomorrow, mm-hmm. I've written an article, which you can find on whatculture.com slash WWE um, right now, entitled WWE Just Changed the Wrestling World Forever. A bit hyperbolic, but I think the long-term ramifications of this move could be genuinely seismic again. Um, if you want my fully fleshed out thoughts on that, you can access that article right now. Check out the video uh, that you and myself recorded yesterday mm-hmm. um, up on What Culture's YouTube page right now. But in general, my thoughts are, like, it's all very surreal. It makes you feel maybe a little bit like a mark in retrospect for buying into the whole Ellis Island bluster. If nothing else, it's kind of a sobering reminder of what professional wrestling actually is. It's not this fantasy land where artists can finally have a billionaire budget to do their art and all the rest of it. It's Mm. about how much money do you want in your life? Mm. How much of a star do you think you are? What is your value? And I guess all of that's absolutely fair enough. I'll miss Cody. I will miss Cody. Um, I'm not entirely convinced how many other people will. And it's funny because the guy's last moment is last input into AEW 
distilled that which why I think he's so valuable. And if anything, I generally think Tony Khan might have undervalued him in those contract negotiations. Um, the last thing he did in AEW was put over Sammy Guevara in a seminal match, mm. the best singles genre version of the ladder match in years and years and years, gave an iconic career moment to someone he's been carefully had a hand in building for the past two years. Um, indirectly, directly, the guy was a star. He made stars. He made everything feel big. Sometimes very wacky and silly, but enormous. Like the focal point of the conversation. But AEW, I've used the analogy Spotify Premium, where it's not quite the same as having a CD rack, and you can only have one c- new CD a week, and you play the life out of it. It's like, oh, I can listen to absolutely anything I want. Mm. Oh, I can watch any great wrestling I want. Oh, MGF versus CM Punk. A ridiculous thing to say. Like, to this day, we're getting CM Punk versus MGF. Oh, the Undisputed Era feuding with the Elite. It's like, there is so much going on in AEW that, if anything, I kind of preferred it in February 2020 when the stars were, like, there were so few of them. Mm. And yet there were so many other interesting acts on the show that I felt like the ecosystem of AEW functioned better back in February 2020, which I know can annoy a lot of people. I'm not looking back with this with rose-tinted glasses. It was a magical time to be a wrestling fan. It was a like an incredible run of dynamites up to revolution. There's still so much. There's still too many stars for anyone to really truly resonate as a talismanic figure. Um, but if anything, they could probably do a shed more. Mm. Well, they've announced, haven't they? We do report in the news this morning that uh, they appear to be sort of dialing back, signing new stars. <clears throat> but as me and Phil said when we reported it, that's all well and good, depending on who gets released. Yeah, like still got someone, Gargano coming in. Yeah, and if they get, you know, other free agents pop up, you know, if Brock Lesnar becomes a free agent, for example, you don't say, no, nah, we've got enough. We yeah. said we were going to, you know, like it's case-by-case case basis, as we always say. Um it's sort of a weird scenario to be in this because we know how it works the other way. If someone was going from WWE to AEW, uh, who was like, I don't know how this would work because they'd never have it in this situation, but who was a you know working effectively on a sort of handshake deal, contract to run out in theory, could move to the opposition at any time. <clears throat> WWE would scrub them from history. They wouldn't be f- mentioned. They wouldn't be featured. They barely would even you know, be acknowledged. Do you think that's going to be the same in AEW? I feel like the relationship is still there. It wasn't a you know a, a bad breakup, for example. It was just a question of money. Do you think? I mean, there's a match on this show. You alluded to it, TNT Championship match with two guys that Cody effectively made. Yeah, absolutely. I hope there's a tribute of yeah. so, even if it's if it's like a passing comment on commentary. Like, oh, we're ready for our main event, and I uh, just like to wish. Cody Rhodes, all the best as he departs AEW. And look, these two guys he worked extensively with and all the rest of it. That doesn't feel like it's enough, but at the same time, you don't want to glorify somebody else's asset at this point. Yeah, so there's a, there's a balance to be struck. Look, AEW, look, they've hired certain people I don't want them to have hired. Um, they've not transparently disclosed investigations into certain things. I still think by wrestling standards, they are classy. And if nothing else, I like would like AEW to start the show just looking at the camera, looking at the broadcast teams. They run down the show, and every commentator says something really nice about Cody Rhodes and the odd... Like if Sammy Guevara doesn't do Crossroads in the main event yeah. or something like that, like it would be bad form. Acknowledge it, but do it pretty nicely, but 
move swiftly on. It is fair to say he has literally put his blood, sweat, and tears into this company. Yes, absolutely. Even if you think that, in retrospect, a lot of what he might have said was insincere. Like, he could have really meant it 100% of the time. People change, circumstances change. Um, he did so much for that company, that company would not exist without him. I think his overall contribution to the company has been vastly, vastly underlooked by a lot of people. Um, but yeah, they absolutely should pay tribute to him in some way, shape, form, or another. I'm not convinced it wasn't acrimonious, mm. but those details will be locked down for quite some time. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's talk about that TNT Championship match then. Are you, sh- are you assuming this main event? Yes. Yeah. Um, Sammy- yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. Um, I was going to let it slide, Sige. I wasn't even going to mention it this week. Do you know who's ruined the whole thing? As always, that git Tony Schiavone on the road to this week. You'll get cancelled for saying that. You're already on the edge by the tits talking NXT 2.0. I'm I'm joking, re Tony Schiavone's git status, of course. It's the best. But you know who brought him into uh, AEW? Cody Rhodes. (laughs) So... Don't understand why Sammy Guevara wears two belts. I've realized I've mentioned this a lot, but on the road to Tony Schiavone's like, well, Sammy Looks Guevara's. Looks like there's been enough belts. <laughs> Sammy Guevara's riding high having both belts. I was like, what do you mean both belts? He's got one belt. It's the TNT Championship. The other one was a placeholder because he couldn't have the TNT Championship because the bloke who held the TNT Championship wasn't able to defend it. Before we get onto the two belts thing, yeah. If he was half thinking, you know what, I'm going to leave. It's a. Crazy thing to do, but if nothing else, like, I could probably go back to AEW at some point. It would be a great story. Yeah. Probably thinking of the long, 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 long game. If he was half thinking, nah, I'm going to leave. Shouldn't he have just done the rumble? How, like, he would have burned that bridge potentially, but, like, bridges are never fully burned in wrestling. Oh. Like, CM Punk could walk back in WWE if he wanted. Like, if he read nothing, nothing ever, like, really matters. Um, he should have just done, imagine... Wow! It's only smoking mirrors. Number thirty would have been. You should. I mean, it was shocking enough, and it's he's got enough buzz without it, and he's probably done it the nicer way on the surface. But still, anyway, maybe he did have that discussion. They were like, "Absolutely, Cody! Oh my God, we'd love to have you." So the the plan is, uh, Brock has to win because Brock's going on to (laughs) WrestleMania, and we'll probably slot you in around uh, like. Well, we got uh, last few is sort of like Randy Orton, hometown guys. Obviously, you can have a nice little moment with him. Uh, and then the, the final three uh, would not be you. It'd be uh, Drew McIntyre, uh, Brock Lesnar, and Shane McMahon. And he went, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be back in a few weeks. Yeah. I'll see you later. <laughs> but yes, two belts. He's got two belts. It's bloody stupid. Regardless, getting off topic here because we're going to get a, well, not to, to hype it up too much, but a sensational match between Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen because they've got history. Yeah, and they're also both completely insane. <laughs> yes. They both do not care about their bodies at all. Um, I expect this to be giddy, maybe a little bit shallow in terms of storytelling. But, you know, they're both capable of doing more than just flashy high spots. But together... Tell me something, boys. It's shallow, my Lady Gaga there. You are such a cock. Anyway, maybe that's... Uh, Darby Allen can tell a goddamn story in that ring and know what to possibly a lesser extent Sammy Guevara can too but mm. I think like together they might sort of lean on their worst sort of indulgences but guess what as much as I love selling I love everything about pro wrestling most of it sometimes I fucking hate it all <laughs> but I like some absolutely stupid 
idiot, young, reckless morons just doing stupid things to each other as well. I, I hadn't forgotten the spot, but I had forgotten quite how many rotations Sammy Guevara did before it put Darby Allen through that table. Oh, yeah, that it was awesome. Revolution. revolution. Yeah, included it on the package for this. They had a, um, a match in the QT Marshall's gym tapings as well where they did something equally stupid um, involving a ladder. Oh, yeah. I think it was in the inaugural TNT title tournament, actually. Um, but, yeah, I expect this to be sensational, whether it's sort of a empty sugar rush or something quite substantial, it's still going to be excellent, however well-crafted it is or not. Um, I expect this to be completely just unhinged, but I'm also very interested in the winner. They're not putting Derby in that match to lose cleanly. I know that for damn sure, mm. especially when Revolution is around the corner. So the question is, do they actually do the switch and um, build towards Derby versus Andrade for the TNT title at the pay-per-view? Mm. Or does um, Andrade influence the outcome and screw Darby Allen out of it? Um, does that do much to Sammy Guevara's reign when he kind of needs something pretty powerful at this, especially at this point? They don't want the last part of Sammy Guevara's reign or the most recent part to be that incredible ladder match with Cody Rhodes. They might be thinking, Christ, like he needs something that he can um, have to sort of put over this reign that doesn't involve Cody Rhodes considering he's a WWE asset at this point, as surreal as it still sounds. So maybe they'll rip up any booking plans they had for a screwy finish, including Andrade. But either way, there's layers and layers of um, drama to play with, to explore, to anticipate. Um, I don't actually know what happens. It seems weird to me to put a guy that they're so invested in, in Darby Allen, in a match like this to do a WWE adjacent finish, mm. which is good. Because if they do that, it sets something up. They're always about setting stuff up. And if they don't do that, you get a title switch or at least the potential investment of a title switch which can, which can inform the drama all the more. This has got a lot going for it as a main event. And just in general on the vibe tonight, if you're in that AEW locker room, you're probably feeling a little bit, not unsettled, but a bit shaken, mm -hmm. a bit weird for a lack of a better word about what Cody's departure means and how much it's going to change the culture, how much conversation there is surrounding it, they're probably going to try incredibly hard to make tonight all about AEW and not an AEW without Cody Rhodes, which makes me a little bit scared about what Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara could do together because them with, like, something to prove on top of their already mental dispositions could create something reckless. And guess what? I want to watch it. <laughs> yes. I think Sammy Guevara retains, um, but only because, like you say, I think they're setting up something with Derby and Andrade for the pape. And I just don't see the title being involved in that, to be honest. Uh, and that's only what? Two weeks away on Sunday, is it? Jeez, I just realized. Yeah, it's a short month, February. Um, but like you say, uh, I, I wouldn't put any money on Tony, uh, on Tony, on uh, Sammy winning necessarily because, like you say, it, this match not only the outcome but every maneuver is very unpredictable uh, when it comes to these two. Uh, speaking of Revolution tonight, uh, CM Punk announces his rematch with MJF. Time, place, and stipulation is this the night that the the long form uh, predictions of the Dadleys finally come to fruition. Dadley. Dadley, sorry. I, I mean, it's mine. I, I'm going to take it as mine. I've got Absolutely. the Twitter evidence to back it up and indeed audio podcast. Yeah. 
the mega fans will forgive me. But I've said this quite often. But tonight is the night where I might be able to stop saying it. And tomorrow might be the time I can just say, I was right about all this all along. Or it can be the night where I get pissed off because I've made the perfect match and they might not book it. They've been repeatedly... I'm sorry, I'll try and get this up in two minutes, but it's a good victory lap if, in fact, it happens. They've been repeatedly peppering Piper references mm -hmm. into their promos. The premise of the storyline is that MGF's a little bitch <laughs> who's afraid of CM Punk, yeah. and he can only get one over on him by cheating. He runs away like a scalded dog, or at least he did before the Chicago match, any time that CM Punk tried to get his hands on him. This was literally the case, this was literally the case, rather, at Holiday Bash, when they went all the way up the bleachers and all the rest of it. And Roddy Piper is very synonymous with the dog collar match stipulation. Yes! Which CM Punk has also worked less famously at, in Ring of Honor, rather. It's an old school step. These are old school guys working an old school program where the heel cheats and then the baby face one would expect prevails in the end. They foreshadowed it. As somebody else pointed out, this annoyed me because I didn't get it. Everything else is mine. Where CM Punk got the scarf. They did it with a tape, just neck stuff, but like joking stuff. Don't call a match for me, please. I will be. It's one of those things where like they could do another match and it might all make sense. And I'll still get annoyed because I had this idea in my head subjectively. They could do a cage. It's a classic, again, territory stipulation um, that works in the context of a program in which the heel's a bitch who runs away. <laughs> um, so they could do that. But I want the dog collar match because I said so. Yeah. Ever since you inceptioned me on this, I mean, I go on the Revolution Wikipedia page and I'm like, well, why is it on there yet? Because it hasn't been announced yet. You've just sort of spoken it into reality. But like you say, the moment you started uh, pointing out those uh, Piper references, and there's been even in recent weeks, you know, I'm bigger than CM Punk in Chicago, Piper in Portland, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just, it's right there. It's right there, like you say. And yes, you know, there are other steps that you can do. I, time and place is, um, there's no, no point in even speculating on that. It's going to be revolution. It's going to be the pay-per-view. But... Yes, there are other things you can do, but other than the the previous dog collar match that they have, there's never been more of a like moment to do it than than right now, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes perfect sense in the context of the feud, and that's because I think they've been building towards this particular destination the whole goddamn time. Uh, I look like I'm gonna look like such a mug or, if this doesn't happen. Or, but that's the beauty of it. You and I in the predictions game. Just no sell it. That's what I do. <laughs> I never said that. Fake news. So I think you, you can just see stuff like that now in this new world that yeah. we've lived in for the past yeah. five years. Uh, what? Uh, I'll pay your settlement because that didn't happen. <laughs> Even if it probably did. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Uh, let's rapidly move on and talk uh, from MJF to the man who often stands right behind him, Wardlow. In uh, shadow. Yes, he is uh, facing off with Max Caster, who I'm sure is going to have some things to say about Wardlow and uh, and his connections, let's say, with, with MJF in a uh, qualifier for the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Surely the handsome bastard. Oh, actually, Max Caster's a very handsome bastard as well, to be fair. Uh, but the big one surely has to qualify for the, the ladder match. Oh, yeah, without question. I'm really looking forward to this as a daft but still somehow really exhilarating small moment of television. Max Caster is going to have great material here. I don't know what it is, but Wardlow. I'm looking forward Mind to Wardlow. Cody? Oh, I don't know. Close to the bone, isn't it? I don't know. I could beat you like Cody did in Atlanta or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I'm looking forward to the rap, because Wardlow's so great, I'm looking forward to his face in the way in which he sells the rap because he could, like, project the seed that he has but can't really show against MJF. Just take it out on Max Caster. Um, any kind of Bowen's interference should be fun as well. Like, this should be dickhead heel, talks a lot of trash, gets powerbombed into oblivion by the guy we really want to be a babyface. Um, this is the kind of thing that I think will be way better than anyone expects it's this like really fun, well thought out bit of uh, daft fun. Yeah, no doubt about the winner. But again, it's not about who do you think will win. It's who do you want to win. And the whole genius of this slow burn, uh, Wardlow push is that people increasingly, literally in volume, want him to win and like turn and all the rest of it. So this should be class. Yeah, exactly. I had a thought of something now and then immediately thought, ah, it's probably a bad idea. A because it's really stupid, uh, dangerous. But also, it reminded me of... Do you remember when they had uh, Nick Comoroto uh, get hit with a wooden chair for some reason? Just because they thought, oh, that looked cool when it explodes. It's, that's, again, that's an old... Uh, it was big boss band ray trailer. Yeah. But do you remember when they did that? For some reason in my head then, I was like, what if Anthony Bowens slides in the boombox? No, Dusty Rhodes doing it to someone. I'll remember at some point. But do you remember when... Uh, they did it twice. So Sorry, what if Anthony Bowen slides in the boombox and Wardlow powerbombs Max Caster in the boombox, just explodes? But, like, then you'd have to have a gimmicked boombox because I assume there's quite a lot of bits that could... And it's like I've seen the shape of that and size of that boombox. You ain't taking a bump on that. So it'd have to be sort of a cardboard you, version of it. What is it, it with you and wanting, like, to kill wrestlers? <laughs> it's why I said... I thought about it and I said, you know what? No. No. So... No, I've, I've grown... 
But yes, without a question, Wardlow advances to the uh, the ladder match at uh, Revolution because just more and more, just more intrigue, more things sprinkled on top of that brilliant MJF uh, Wardlow relationship. Um, let's talk about Brian Danielson and Lee Moriarty <laughs> yes. being sadistic and. This was set up. Uh, it, it continues, obviously, the uh, the developing situation with Danielson trying to tempt John Moxley into forming this Danielson dojo or whatever we're going to call it. And, uh, and no, we're, we are calling it that. Okay, like everyone like has collectively agreed that is the coolest Got thing. It. Um, and training all these younger wrestlers, one of which could be Lee Moriarty, and then they had the the issues. If you didn't see it on on Rampage, where uh, Matt Sydal confronted Danielson, and he sort of. Gave him a real backhanded compliment about how good good a coach he is, but he needs to teach Moriarty the sort of dark arts. And Moriarty was like, I'm right here. I'll, I'll fight you myself. And he's like, that's what I want to see out of you. And he wants to see violence. And Danielson, Brian Danielson, knows a fair bit of about violence. Yeah, I mean, I cannot wait for this. This is perfect booking. Uh, I talked a lot about how Tony Khan deserves Booker of the Year for the Keith Lee Isaiah Cassidy pairing alone. Like, absolutely. This is almost as inspired. What's happened here is that a lot of people, when Danielson was first entering the organization, um, said, I would love to see him work. The, the new technicians who were inspired by him. Uh, Garcia Moriarty. So he knows that there's a core group of AEW nerd hardcores like ourselves and, you know, a lot of people on Twitter or whatever want to see this match. But he's not just doing it as a match that he knows that could be very, very good indeed if allocated the time. I'm not convinced this will be, actually, um, because I don't know if the story necessarily... It might actually annoy people. If the idea is Brian Danielson is portraying himself as the master of a certain form and he wants disciples of this form, and he does because he doesn't like your Wheeler Uters and your Orange Cassidy's. No, he likes the Wheeler Uters. He doesn't want the Orange Cassidy's yeah, influencing yeah. the Wheeler Uters. So the idea is there's not going to be a competitive 15-minute match that's a technical showcase for the sake of making people who like technical wrestling feel good for 15 minutes. They get something out of it, but it also exists as a TV storyline um, that opens up like a wide narrative picture, the formation of the Danielson Dojo, all the rest of it. The way to do this match, you want it's a tricky balance, but I'm sure AEW will manage it. You want Danielson to look like the absolute master of a certain form. He wants disciples like Lee Moriarty to learn the form best from him and to take over AEW in this like, like savage technician <laughs> dickhead image, which sounds <laughs> awesome. But at the same time, you have to look, make... Lee Moriarty look like a worthy candidate for the dojo mm. as a disciple. So I would eight minutes, anything more than that, and you're risking it going a bit 50-50, but I oh know a 50-50 technical masterpiece between Moriarty and Danielson. Like this can't fail, is what I'm trying mm. to say in a very marky way. Um but the violence aspect, I can't wait for. It's not going to be as good as Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10, but it's one of my favorite matches of all time. One of the best things about it is that Bret Hart is insistent for most of the match or half of it that, nah, I don't want to fight my brother, but I'm here with him. I'm going to wrestle him instead. Mm. And then Owen Hart is incredible at being a prick in this match. <laughs> yeah. He's incredible at it. And like, Bret Hart's kind of like, well, I'm going to give you a receipt. And it mutates into this fight. I'm expecting a similar storyline where... Moriarty's going to wrestle Danielson, and that's going to be a mistake because Danielson's like, no, 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 
Like, don't wrestle me. Like, fight me. Like, I'm going to kick you incredibly hard. And Moriarty can go, all right, okay, if it's going like this, then I'll do it back. Like, this cannot fail. I wish it would go an hour, but it needs to go eight minutes, if that makes yeah, any sense. Yeah, got a lot on this show, yeah, yeah, and they can keep it tight. Do you think this is the week, like I say, we're two weeks away from Revolution, that we get a response from Moxley? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Obviously, there's going to be some kind of um, interaction between Moxley and Danielson um, to set up whatever it is they're going to do at Revolution. Maybe Danielson could beat Moriarty and then kick out of him. Um, Seidel could sort of join in then that draws Moxley out and it's like he doesn't know whether to fight these guys mm-hmm. with Danielson or join in or whatever um, I expect the mystery to be teased out a little bit longer because it's one of those where the timing of all of this feels weird um, but at the same time like they didn't know when Moxley was going to be back he could yeah. forgive yeah, yeah, them yeah, for yeah. rushing a beat uh, it's a, a violence heavy show this because we've also got a no DQ match anything goes between Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa, uh, who've done this sort of thing before and, and done great things with it as well. Yeah, not in AEW. No. Um, I thought that match on Rampage... I'm a big fan of both women. Um, Rosa more so. Uh, but I didn't think the Rampage match was up to much. I don't think it was meant to be up to much because it was just a prelude. They to, knew where they were going, yeah. Yeah, it's a prelude to this, which itself is a prelude to two other different matches. Again, do they overbook... They do sometimes over sometimes, but um, but I expect this is the match that the first match builds towards. You expect them to do way more, and there's weapons involved, and there's a certain lofty expectation for what a weapons match in AEW looks like. Um, I don't sound like Hamlet. I love the guy, respect the hell out of him more than he respects himself, which he should respect more. Um, but I'm kind of with him. Like I'm not a nerd desensitized to violence, but at the same time. It feels a bit redundant, especially considering how particularly brutal last week was. Um, it just feels like it can't possibly match that. Their attempts to match it might feel a little bit too, like, grabby. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to pale in comparison to the to the main event last week. And it should be part of a great show, so it's not expected to compete with it. But it just feels like, why do it one week removed from something that is going to clearly be better? And Thunder Rosa, I mean, not saying the argument here is you never do it again then if, you, if that's the case. But Thunder Rosa in a match with no rules, considering what she did in her lights out match with, with Britt Baker, a lot of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think they're in love with the idea of treating a broader fan base to something that got raves on the indies and they've possibly not sequenced it correctly, looking at the whole picture and everything else Everything else that's going on. Uh, Thunder Rosa has to win this. Yes. Um, because she's presumably going to beat, or meet at least, uh, Britt Baker at Revolution. Um, Britt Baker, bollocking it in the aftermath, has storyline ramifications as well. I just hope it's really, really good because they've got a completely forgettable first match working against it. Mm-hmm. They've got the comparison of last week working against it. They've got a crowd that, in general, has been conditioned not to care about women's matches working against it. Um, hoping for the best, but half expecting something that's just not going to meet. the. If you had a, shown someone this match graphic in, like, November last year, you'd be like, get in, that sounds mint, but I don't really feel that ahead, ahead of the show. Yeah, I think I'm more anticipating uh, the two matches, like you say, that come off this, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, and Jamie Hayter, Mercedes Martinez. But I have no doubt that these two women will 
considering what they've done in the past, really go for it in yeah. this one. Um, and yeah, without doubt, Thunder Rosa obviously has to win, as you said. Um, more and more violence. Finally, uh, tonight is potentially the Inner Circle Implosion. That's how AEW are talking about it on socials uh, when it comes to Chris Jericho and Jake Hager uh, versus Santana and Ortiz. Um, my God, they pulled this back from the brink last week, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we weren't a fan before. Not particularly, but... We I, were letting it play out. We were letting it play out. We were being very patient. Um, like, the actual beats of the story have all been really, really well considered. We all watch AEW with the expectation that there's a lot of slow burn stuff. If one or two weeks pass by, then without much happening, then it's all a bit like, well, you know wasn't a hot week for this particular program, but some by design are meant to have weeks where you don't think there's much going on, but actually they're informing that which comes after. Um, but Jericho's terrible patter kind of didn't. <laughs> Jericho's absolutely abysmal patter in this program. GFY, Jesus Christ. The influencer. The influencer. Like the whole GFY thing in particular didn't really spark interest in that this is going to be really good when it all sort of unfolds but so far it actually has um jericho and jake hager had like a unfathomably good tag team act going on yeah you've the, raved the about that before they didn't have many matches together but they had a match against it was jericho and hager versus danielson and kazarian so you think well it's not the best tag team in the inner circle and respectfully christopher daniels is a legend it's not even the best tag team in SCU. So I went into that match thinking this is not going to be anything. And it was class. <laughs> yeah. Just really, really well worked, exciting, dramatic. And they had a match with them, Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela as well, H Hager and yes. Jericho. And that was strong as hell as well. So I, I expect this to be very, very good. I expect this to be, again, there's a lot of dialed up animosity across a lot of the matches. I expect this to be pissy is the word. Like squaring up to each other, puff chest machismo, like a few sort of like potatoes thrown accidentally on purpose. Like there's a lot of uh, narrative texture they could play with this match. And I expect this to be, if not like an actual banger that someone like me or Dave would go like four and a half stars on, I expect this to be a really strong, subtle storytelling match that's more about the tone than the content. Very, very pissy. Flex. The whole idea is having like a, I don't need you anymore. No, you do need me. I'm going to prove why those both arguments are true. Potatoes, receipts, like smug facial expressions, like a lot of bragging, a lot of taunting, like just a good pissy fight. Black and white face paint for Jericho as well, just to wind them up a bit. Oh, I don't know, but I wish Santana and Ortiz would drop that. Yeah. It's, I get it, it's better on an action figure, it makes them stand out more, but at the same time, they shouldn't be doing it in every single match. It felt so special when they did it against them, um, best friends. And if they've got a world tag team title run, in their future, they should probably be dialed back on that so that the big pay-per-view matches feel like spectacles even before they're worked. Uh, another thing he's been trying to work in is attendance is mandatory, of course. Is it mandatory, to, mandatory tonight for one Eddie Kingston? I don't know. I hope it kind of isn't because if Santana and Ortiz win or they fall out, that would be a half-decent line to like call out Eddie Kingston. It's, it's some bollocks to put on a t-shirt, realistically. <laughs> yes. That's all it is. But they can weave it into calling out Eddie Kingston using that exact line and the idea of making Eddie Kingston do something he 
hasn't himself decided to do is like very, very interesting, I think. Like no one tells Eddie Kingston what to do. No. And him telling people that no one tells them what to do would make for a fantastic promo. So I think the attendance is mandatory thing is sort of a, a thread that leads to Eddie Kingston somehow. Who do you think wins? I don't know. No, I don't either. And it's good that. I think it's good that. I think the idea is that they could outdick at each other in an attempt to cheat and maybe Jericho... Maybe it works in the storyline of Jericho and Hager win, which will piss people off because that will make people think wrongly that AEW don't want to book Santana and Ortiz to win the tag team titles. Maybe it's the beat the story needs that Chris Jericho can have a little bit of influence over the decision of Santana and Ortiz to think, oh, you know what, maybe if he's still got more tricks than we know, maybe we should learn from him that little bit longer, and then that could feed into the Kingston stuff. In fact, I've talked myself into thinking that kind of has to be the result. They win, and then they say, good news, the inner circle have got yourselves a tag team title shot. And he's like, cool, me and Hager are having that one. Yeah. Like, we're literally the tag team in the inner circle. Yeah. You've taken that yeah, one. Yeah, there's all sorts of to do with this. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, and lots to look forward to, as we've mentioned, on AEW Dynamite tonight. Do let us know your thoughts uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Uh, you can also get your hands on his brilliant book, all about AEW Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW on Amazon. Uh, very, very important reading, feels like, right now, that book. It definitely feels like I've captured an era yeah. in AEW, which is kind of changing now. Really glad you're not writing it at the start of this year. Oh, God, I know. I don't know how on earth I would... There's a definitive end point to the book that I won't spoil, but this genuinely feels like a different company that is no longer on the rise. Mm. I'm not saying it's slowing down in popularity, if anything, in a lot of areas it's increasing, but... Yeah, so the exact thing the exact thing that you just said. I'm glad I'm not starting it now because I would not know where to end or even start no. it. Very interesting to see what number this show does. I was just thought to mention that. It's going up against South Park. Ah, bollocks. Yeah. Because I was going to say, it did a really good number last week, didn't it? If I remember rightly. Yeah, it did a really good number. I think it was number one on cable. Yeah. And it's like, so you've got that. You've got the double whammy. We often talk about this, maybe more in the office the Olympics than on the are still going on as well, oh, I yeah. think. Um, but you have the thing sometimes where they do a big number... But you go, yeah, but it was a bit of a rubbish show, so that's not really given many people to give the, you know, come back. And then the next week, it's like, Ugh. it's like they had a great show last week, great number, and the intrigue of like, right, what happens now? Cody's not there. But now we've got the Olympics. bloody South Park in the Olympics. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE on Twitter, as I said, uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our NXT Duper. Review is available right now, and our review of this show, which will of course feature Michael Hamblet, is going to be available tomorrow. It'll drop in your feed as soon as it is released if you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. But for now, uh, this has been the Dynamite Preview, and my thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>